Jesus, we've just started a new series, and we've got the slide that will come up just to highlight that. And uh, so we're going to look at another character today who, who met Jesus, or rather Jesus met him, I think would be probably a better way of putting it. And he's called Zacchaeus. And we read about Jesus' encounter with Zacchaeus in a biography of Jesus' life written by a doctor called Luke in the first century. And the book that Luke wrote is, is in the Bible. And I'm going to read from that uh, book. It's, it's been split up into chapters so we can easily find it. Luke chapter 19, verses 1 to 9. And just listen to this, this story of an encounter between Zacchaeus and Jesus. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man there by the name of Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to serve what was lost. I believe Zacchaeus was very much like one of the Mr. Men. And uh, so we're going to watch a Mr. Man this morning. Uh, Mr. Uppity. It's only very short, but I hope you'll, I hope you'll enjoy it. was one of the rudest people in the world, if not the rudest. He was rude to anybody and everybody. So, of course, in Big Town, which is where he lived, he had no friends at all. Not one. Miserable old Uppity, they used to call him, and he certainly looked it. Now, as well as being rude, Mr. Uppity was also rich. Very rich. One of the richest people in the world, if not the richest. He had the largest longest limousine in Big Town. He had the largest, longest garden in Big Town. He had, on the top of a hill in the middle of Big Town, the most enormous house. The biggest house in Big Town. And there he lived, all alone. 
miserable old uppity. I don't know about you, but when, when I, I, I watch that, there's something in my heart that just goes out to Mr. Uppity. And, and I, I just feel, what's the backstory? You know, what has caused Mr. Uppity to come to this desperate place, really? How could somebody end up loaded and lonely? Cash rich and relationship poor. You know, last time... Pete preached a brilliant message about the woman at the well and, and he looked at her backstory of being rejected by five husbands and the sense of deep, deep rejection in her life. But I guess that physically she was in quite good shape because she'd attracted six men at least. <laughs> But Zacchaeus, on the other hand, he had a physical image problem. He was short. You know, when we're at school, children can be very cruel, can't they? And and I wonder what it was like for Zacchaeus at school. I wonder whether he was called Titch or Midget or Shorty and much worse. I I googled short man syndrome. (laughs) Google's very handy, isn't it? It came up with a whole host of short man jokes. And I don't want us to laugh at the expense of, of people who are small, so I'm not going to tell any of those jokes. But what I do want to do is just put a couple of captions up that tell the story. Not to be funny, but there's real deep truth. So the first one that comes up is short people problem. And it says, when everyone in the lower years slash grades is taller than you, that's tough, isn't it? Isn't that tough? Particularly for a boy. It's not as bad for a girl. But for a boy, that is not easy. And then the next one. I'm not sure I'm compact and I'm ridiculously adorable. So he's he's basically saying, you know, I know that I'm a small guy, but I'm adorable. I want to be accepted. The Telegraph correspondent, science correspondent, Sarah Napton wrote this about the short man syndrome. The short man syndrome really does exist. Oxford University academics have found after a study showing feeling smaller makes people paranoid, distrustful and scared of others. Scientists have used virtual reality technology to reduce the the height of volunteers travelling on a computer simulated train a tube train by 10 inches. So they, they lowered some individuals by 10 inches. The experience of being shorter increased reports of negative feelings such as being incompetent, dislikable, or inferior. It also heightened levels of mistrust, fear, and paranoia. Height-reduced participants were more likely 
to think someone else in the virtual train carriage was deliberately staring, thinking badly about them, or trying to cause distress. Researchers believe the findings demonstrate the psychological detrimental effect of experiencing social situations from a position closer to the ground. I want to say this isn't limited to small people. You know, we've honed in on one specific group that Zacchaeus belonged to. But being made fun of or having the, the impression that others are thinking negatively about us is not limited to short people, is it? And I think that probably all of us have had a taste of that to some degree or another. You know, I remember a boy at my school, he wasn't short, he was tall, he was lanky, but his mother insisted that he wore sandals. She was a bit of a hippie. And he was nicknamed Moses. No religious background at all, I don't imagine. But this poor kid, in a derogatory way, had to live with the, the title Moses throughout his school life. He was laughed at for it. You know, when we are in that situation and our response to pain, our response to negativity, our response to rejection, you know, can be that we respond with being a perfectionist or Rebellion or wallpaper. You know, we just want to blend in with the crowd and we don't want to be noticed. We just want to be as least observed as possible. Or we become the clown. Always the joker. Always making people laugh. Or the revenge. I'll show them. I think Zacchaeus probably had a bit of that. I think Zacchaeus one day decided, I'm going to show them. Zacchaeus didn't mind being unpopular. And that's why I think he thought, I'll show him. He became the chief tax collector. Now, just to try and bring this into our context, which is probably quite difficult, but think traffic warden on commission. <laughs> Think a traffic warden who has a wheel clamp and only he has the key and he locks your wheel and he charges you what the government wants and then a little bit more. Not a popular guy. But it's even worse than that. It's not just the normal tax collector. He was the chief one. We don't really know what that means. Whether it means that he had other people under him, so he was creaming off a bit of all their profits as well, or, or whether he was just the most notorious, I don't know. But even worse than that, he wasn't just lining his own pocket, he was collecting for the enemy. Jericho was occupied by the Romans. He was collecting taxes for the Romans. Just imagine if IS conquered Britain and we knew 
that somebody was getting wealthy by collecting money for IS. How would you feel about that? Zacchaeus was not a popular man. I think if you had a popularity stakes, he'd probably be the bottom guy. Or pretty near the bottom. Whatever his backstory, when Jesus met Zacchaeus, at best he was disliked, at worst he was hated. He was somewhere in that bracket. So we know he was short, we know he was a chief tax collector, and we know he was wealthy. He was wealthy because he was in a great town. He was in a town that was on a, a huge trade route out Jerusalem to the east. Everybody went that way. So he was raking in the taxes. The interesting thing to me is that this guy wanted to meet Jesus. He wanted to meet Jesus. Why? I wonder if Zacchaeus had heard on the grapevine, Jesus is a friend of tax collectors and sinners. That was the rumour. That was the noise on the street. It seems to me that Zacchaeus either had no friends or very few friends, and he heard about this man, maybe this Jesus could be a friend. And, and maybe Zacchaeus' heart just leapt with a bit of hope. And, and this loneliness and this mess that he was in, maybe his heart was stirred with a little bit of hope. And I believe that there's somebody here this morning and your heart is being stirred with a little bit of hope. I don't encourage you this morning to act on that hope. Zacchaeus was hungry to see Jesus. So much so that he didn't care what it was going to cost him. He ran ahead and he climbed a tree. How stupid. You're going to look pretty ridiculous, aren't you? A grown man hiding in a tree looking out for Jesus. Now I want to take the spotlight off Zacchaeus because so far we've just been looking at him. I want to put the spotlight now on Jesus and look at this story. What is going on for Jesus. What sort of a day is he having? What sort of time in his life is it? Verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. Passing through that little phrase is very telling. Why was he passing through Jericho? Well, if we go back a chapter to 18 Verses 31 to 33. We find out why he was passing through. Jesus took the twelve, that's the disciples, his band of men, aside and told them, we are going to Jerusalem. And everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of Man, the Son of Man was a term for Jesus, will be fulfilled. He will be handed over to the Gentiles. They will mock him, insult him, 
spit on him, flog him, and kill him. On the third day, he will rise again. When Jesus went through Jericho, he had a lot on his mind. He had a heavy weight in his heart. It was not a great time. He knew in Jerusalem he was going to be humiliated, falsely accused, mocked, beaten, and executed. And then rise from the dead. He had set his face to go to Jerusalem to die for you. To die for me. And to die for a little guy hiding in the tree. A little guy called Zacchaeus. He was only 18 miles away from the cross. Do you get inspired by Christians who, even though they are facing troubles, have the time to serve others? Do you? I find those Christians very inspiring. I've had the privilege of of visiting people at the very end of their lives. As a pastor, it's one of the privileges. And to sit by the bed of a Christian who is in their last days. And to go to encourage them with some scripture and prayer. And coming away more encouraged and more uplifted than I was when I went. Because they knew where they were going. They had total confidence and faith in their God. And even though in their darkest hours, as it were, their dark valley of death, they feared no evil. And they were able to bless me and others who visit them. So Jesus is on his way to the cross. And he reaches the spot where Zacchaeus is up the tree And he stops. And he looks right into Zacchaeus' eyes. You know, just as with the woman at the well, Jesus put in his diary that day, encounter with woman at well. Jesus put in his diary for that day, encounter with Zacchaeus up tree. I don't know whether you realize it, but Jesus has got your name in his diary for today, for an encounter with you today. You know, Jesus' words are fantastic. He says, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. What an incredible statement. Two incredibly strong words. The first is immediately. Zacchaeus, get yourself down, lad, now. (laughs) No mucking about. (laughs) You see, the problem is, when we dilly-dally over a decision, when we delay a decision, when we overthink it, we just spend time, before we know it, the moment's passed. And we've lost it. Jesus knew how important it was to seize the moment. So he says, immediately. And then Jesus secondly says, must, I must stay at your house today. You might say, well, isn't that a bit rude? 
You know, isn't that a bit rude of Jesus to say, you know, I must come to your house today. You know, if the queen walked down your street and knocked on the door and said, I must come in for tea, what would you say? Go away. (laughs) I'll speak to my wife later. Oh, sorry. I need to wash my ears out. She said, all right. I stand corrected. I'd say, all right, too. I would say, come in. You see, Zacchaeus recognized the importance of who it was who was saying to him, I must come to your house today. Have you recognized how important Jesus is? Have you realized who he is? Have you checked Jesus out? Do you know who he is? That was the only reason that Zacchaeus opened the door and let Jesus in. Zacchaeus recognizing that meeting Jesus is top priority. The crowd are not that impressed. You know, Jesus is going in and he's eating with a sinner. Sometimes people find it really hard to get their head around how merciful Jesus is. Doesn't he deserve to be punished? Yes, he does. But Jesus was on his way to the cross to bear that punishment for Zacchaeus. Does Zacchaeus deserve grace, good things? No. But does Jesus give them? Yes. Jesus offers him forgiveness and a clean heart and new life. And when Jesus does that, Sometimes we find it hard to accept it. There's a a world champion powerlifter who doesn't live too far from here called Arthur White, Wadebridge. And his life was in a mess. He was having an affair. He was on drugs. He completely messed up. And he met Jesus. And he gave his life to Jesus. And his life was totally transformed. He was giving testimony and his wife, Jackie. And Jackie forgave him. And somebody shouted out, I wouldn't have forgiven him. I wouldn't have forgiven him. Not everyone wanted Zacchaeus to be a friend of Jesus. But Zacchaeus didn't focus on those people. Zacchaeus didn't allow public opinion to pull him down. Zacchaeus did not allow other people to prevent him from encountering Jesus. Before he had that meeting, we'd probably call it tea, they probably did have something. If it was England, it would be tea or coffee. Before that, Zacchaeus's master was money. There's no doubt about that. Zacchaeus lived for money. During that meeting, something radical happened because this is what Zacchaeus said. He said, Lord... 
looking at Jesus, here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Can you see what's happened in that meeting? He went into the meeting, money is Lord. Came out of the meeting, Jesus is Lord. Instead of money being on the throne of his heart, Jesus was on the throne of his heart. And Jesus said, salvation has come to this house. You know, this wasn't superficial. This wasn't just a superficial thing because Zacchaeus is saying, I'm going to give half of my money away to the poor. And anybody who I've added that extra tax on, anybody who I've cheated, I'm not just going to give them it back. I'm going to give them four times what I have cheated. It's leaving the old crooked way of life behind, turning from it and doing the right thing even when it costs. That was Zacchaeus. The key to this change was Zacchaeus realizing he was lost. Realizing that he was a sinner in need of a saviour. A week ago on Saturday, I was speaking at a harvest supper in a place called Crown Lane near Preston. And at the end of the talk, I asked if anybody wanted to give their lives to Christ. Anybody wanted Jesus to be their saviour. I can't remember the exact wording, but it was something like that. And there's a little boy, he looked about seven, and his little hand went up. And I'd said that if anybody put their hands up, I wanted to pray with them. So I had to find this little boy's mother who'd gone out partway through because the little one was crying. So I sat down with his mother, his two siblings, and his first words were a big surprise. This is a seven-year-old boy. He said, I've sinned a lot in my life. (laughs) I nearly fell off my chair. Here is a boy who has not committed any major crimes. He's not been to prison. He's not had to come off crack cocaine. I don't know what the sins were. He didn't tell me. I didn't need to know. But that little boy in his heart knew. He knew that he knew that he knew that he had sinned. I believe Zacchaeus knew that he had sinned. See, Jesus said that unless we become like a little child, we will not enter the kingdom of heaven. You see, when we get older, we're very good at denial, aren't we? When we get older, we're very good at it. We become masters at it. We become masters at dodging things, making excuses, just not accepting the facts that we've messed up. Every single one of us I've messed up. We've all got stuff wrong. None of us are 100% innocent. You see, when you come alongside Jesus, and he is totally pure, he is light, it shows up the darkness in our hearts. Zacchaeus was having tea with Jesus. The light of Jesus shone into his heart. And he knew he was a sinner. 
And instead of trying to justify himself, he asked Jesus to forgive him. John Newton, the slave trader, said that he knew two things. He said he knew that he was a great sinner and that Jesus was a great saviour. And we're just going to, in closing, watch a clip of the story of John Newton and God's amazing grace. And I'm just going to wrap it up as soon as we've watched it. 